This is the Debbie Royale with your hosts, Kevin Coleman, Jeff Bell, and Christian Williams. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Real, and we are here, week one, baby. We made it. We have the facade of week zero, and that was not a real week, except for Nebraska, who got their ass kicked. So we'll we're gonna mention that. We're gonna talk about them. They definitely felt it. Um, but we are here, ready to talk about week one, the best week of college football. We're excited. We do want to give a shout out. This is literally the last time, probably, we're gonna be able to do this. All twenty-two. I know a bunch of people have signed up, and you're kind of on the fence right now. All twenty-two. Use our promo code uh, TDR22. I believe. It's more than 40% off now, right, Christian? Yes. So TDR10, if you use TDR10, you're going to get 80% off. Okay. Um, That's going to be a $9.99 annual uh, subscription, which gets you into as many leaves as you want. So incredible deal that they're offering for these last couple weeks of of the uh, before the NFL season kicks off next Thursday. So TDR 10, 80% off, and it's a lot of fun. I'm already looking at my lineup for, for next week and deciding which formation i'm gonna run and i think i'm think i'm running 11 personnel baby three wide receivers let's go let's do it. i haven't looked at shit all right so get in there get that get that yeah get that off like get 80 percent off and go and just roll but all right let's get into the news let's talk about what we're gonna get into ah the news of the week of course we start with the michigan news report uh michigan looks like they have two quarterbacks so harbaugh came out and said that mcmara is gonna start first week and then we're gonna see jj mccarthy start the second week I hate my life with this kind of option. I'll be honest, just based on because you, you either you either have one quarterback or you have no quarterbacks. And the way I look at it is, if he's trying to be wishy washy here, I think he doesn't want to hurt Kate's feelings, but he wants JJ to start. And I know everybody says you got to go earn it, but let's be honest, we know where the upside play is. And and I think, in far as Debbie goes, JJ is the only Debbie quarterback on this team. Like when we want to see him out there, he's the one getting drafted. Cade Magmar is not getting drafted. So like if you owe him and Debbie, you want to see him there as a Michigan fan. I want to see him out there. We have one of the weakest non-conference schedules. I can't make fun of Ohio state's non-conference schedule anymore this year. Cause ours is just weak. It's, it's, it's pretty sad. This, this is pretty bad. Jeff, I'll let you talk and make fun of my Michigan Wolverines. But what do you think about this whole duel? We're going to let one guy start the next guy go next. I think that Jim Harbaugh is afraid to commit to JJ McCarthy because I think that we all, I think everybody thinks that's the play. If you want to win a national championship, if you want to beat Ohio state again, if you want to go all the way, you need to make that play on JJ McCarthy. So I think he's just sticking loyal to Cade McNamara for whatever it it might be. We've seen this with football coaches, especially these old school football coaches. When it comes to the quarterback position, they get their guy and, and they don't want to go away from them unless they have a reason to go away from him. I can't imagine a situation where all things equal, like, are you really going to play Cade McNamara? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Jim Harbaugh didn't make good decisions for years until this past year. So it wouldn't sort of shock me, I guess, because again, we've seen that with coaches before, but to win a national championship, to be competitive in the playoff, I think McCartney's the play that you have to go with. Yeah, it's interesting because there is an we have a tendency too to favor the young guy that might be juiced with potential and an upside, but might actually cost them a game on the way there. And so you have to weigh is his play going to be more detrimental than just riding with Cade until we know, okay, JJ is ready. Because I would argue with some of what we saw last year. Now I know he deployed him in very strange, unusual ways and where, where he was just running the ball when he was out on the field last year, JJ McCarthy threw very, uh, very little when he was actually on the field in important situations, but he did fumble the ball a lot. And you wonder what kind of turnovers Harbaugh would be willing to kind of eat uh, throughout the year. Now, again, like Kevin said, the the non-conference schedule is very winnable and so i think you need to find that out to see if you have to go back to cade i think what it is though is it's a balancing act because if he goes with cade after going to mccarthy mccarthy is undoubtedly going to transfer and so i i think it's interesting that he's giving cade the chance to lose the job essentially but 
I, I don't know. I, I really don't know because I think if McCarthy hasn't progressed, we know what Kate is, and, and that's not a very good quarterback. I think he's a fine game manager, but that's what Harbaugh kind of wants. So I, I'm intrigued. I feel for you, Kevin. I'm sorry. This this is not ideal. I mean, you know, Jeff's not talking about uh, Kyle McCord today. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we shouldn't talk about Kyle. It's Devin Brown anyway. But anyway, so yeah, Colorado State, I think. And it's interesting who they, he gave the games to. Like, Cade playing Colorado State, Colorado State's w- better than Hawaii. Like, Hawaii, like, J.J. should do well against Hawaii. Hawaii made a Vanderbilt quarterback look good last week. So, if J.J. can't look good against Hawaii, I mean, I think that's something to say. And in Connecticut's going to be better than maybe we thought based on their first game. Who knows? But I think those three games are there. I don't know. I just feel like Harbaugh's too scared to make a decision. And I think it comes from this recruiting nightmare, NIL. Like, I think it's part of that. Like, we saw the news story about Jerkovic today with Brian Kelly. He lied to my parents. I don't think Harbaugh, because I think Harbaugh's a good guy. Like, I don't think he wants that to be out there. So, I think that's tough. But this is this is why you get paid millions of dollars. You got to make these decisions. And J.J. should be the guy. Um, I don't think it's going to cost Michigan anything because we have such an easy schedule. But, it, you know, I think it could cost the locker room. I think that's the, that's the kicker there. Um, all right, let's talk about our boys, Nebraska, Scott Frost, the Northwestern. We all kind of were like, hey, maybe Nebraska be that. They look good. Jeff said, man, Northwestern's going to get blown out. Then Scott Frost kicks an onside kick up 28 to 17, and it kind of deflated the entire team, I think is crazy. And I know there's analytics out there that say that that was a good move. Listen, it was not a good move. You just scored 14 unanswered, and then you probably would have held them again because there really wasn't a lot of their offense was doing right away. And just based on how they did it, I, I, I struggle with this decision. I don't know how Scott Frost does a job until I heard that October 1st, his buyout goes from 15 to 7 or whatever it is, and that's why he has a job. But, Jeff, what do you think about this onside kick? Well, you hit the the important point right there at the end. His buyout dropping from fifteen to seven million on October first, and you know they've got Oklahoma still coming up, and they're probably going to lose that game. And so this is really just kind of a ticking down and saving a little bit of money. I, I don't know if you're Nebraska and and you want to run your program as a premier program. Does that eight million dollars matter? I, I guess eight million dollars always matters, maybe. Uh, but this the onside kick was wild. It was one of the most ridiculous things that I've seen a coach especially a coach in this position where where obviously we know he's got to win and to go into this game, to go in this game, two touchdown favorites, to be in that position, to be up 11 with most of the second half still to play, have all the momentum, have Nebraska's or Northwestern's cornerbacks go out injured and you the deep passing game was working well. Uh, and it just took everything out of the team. And, and you know, that's, you'd have to think that these kids are probably in a position where they know their coach is going to get fired anyways. And so to deflate the team that way based upon his decision. And then even afterwards, he refused, really refused to take, you know, kind of, kind of say it was my call It you know, he kind of shoved the blame off as best he could. And, and that just shows me that this is a guy that's he's in over his head. And I, you know, I don't know. He looks so good at UCF and, you know, he was right there. Florida offered him the job too, apparently, or he was in the running for that job. So this isn't like, you know, it was just kind of a middling coach that Nebraska brought home. Like he was one of the hottest coaches when they hired him. And so to have them in this position, it really reaches questions towards what is the Nebraska program moving forward? Can they recruit? Can they get back to those levels of Tom Osborne? Probably not. And, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to pull the kids out of Texas, pull the kids out of California like they had done in the past. And so they need to make a move. But really, who's out there? Who is the ideal move that they would try to go out and get? And I think that they're waiting for that buyout, and that makes perfect sense. I understand that, especially at this point. It's just that, and they're going to do it quickly, I would imagine, because they're going to want to jump on that cycle and get the new coach spun up, especially with everything going on with the transfer portal with NIL, laying that recruiting class in there. But, God, what is a terrible decision. Yeah. So here's here's the thing, and I don't want to give him an out because it, it was a terrible decision, but the craziest part about football in general is that if they recover that and go down and score and they win, we're talking about how good of a decision it was. Even if we know in hindsight that it wasn't a good decision in the first place, uh, we still are talking about it with a positive spin on it. 
it's just unfortunate because I, th- I think that they they had the momentum. I think we also need to look at what Casey Thompson did down the stretch as well because I was pretty confident that Casey Thompson was better than Adrian Martinez, and then he throws two interceptions down the stretch. Cost them the game. I do want to give credit to Northwestern in this game, though, because I think that they, even if they don't recover that onside kick, I think there's a chance they're still in the game. Ryan Holinsky looked really freaking good. Evan Hall looked fantastic. Um, they've got that other uh, younger running back as well that I can't think of his name right now uh, that looked good uh, outside of the fumble. But I thought Northwestern played a really good game, and I think I picked Northwestern last week, and part of that was on the back of who is better coached. And we know what Pat Fitzgerald can do. Um, and we know what he does off of a losing season. And so I, I, I mean, yes, Scott, Scott Frost is done. I, I think um, as, as soon as they can buy him out, I think you're hoping Matt Campbell, uh, Dave Aranda, one of them will leave what they're building similar to uh, Mario Cristobal did in, at Oregon. I just don't know that Nebraska has that kind of pull right now or, nor should they. I mean, I think projecting, like you said, Jeff, projecting that Scott Frost would be this bad. Um, I, I heard a stat. I want to say it was on the Andy Staples show. And I was listening to the other day that if he won the next 50 games, he still wouldn't be as good as Bo Pelini. That's rough. <laughs> like that is really, really rough. Cause that obviously would never happen. So uh, it's a bummer. Nebraska is not back. I tweeted out Nebraska's back and it was kind of facetious. And I'm glad that they kind of crumbled down the stretch there. You you took my thunder with Matt Campbell, but what about Mark Stoops? He's in the SEC. He's at Kentucky. Why not go to the Big, you know, Big Ten now? And you're like, hey, maybe I can build something a little bit better. Maybe where you're not having to play against the SEC opponents. You're playing in that in the Big Ten, and especially in that division, it's a little easier, right? Like, I but they're not getting anybody great based on what we've seen, or an up and coming guy that we're just not thinking of. Well, Scott Frost was their Mario Cristobal. That's the thing of it. Like that was their shot. And and yeah. we talk about Matt Campbell. We we talk about Mark Stoops. Are those jobs better jobs than Nebraska right now? And I think you know, in the grand scheme of things, sure, because it, everything is set in place. You know, that stadium's a hundred thousand seat stadium the boosters have the support for that program but at the same time the boosters have the expectation of that program that you're going to immediately be contending for big 10 championships and and i don't think it's unreasonable to have that expectation at nebraska what we've seen nebraska historically can you survive to get to that point if you're not scott frost and if you're not sitting there with this built-in goodwill walking in there is kentucky a better job at where mark soups has it right now the expectations are almost nothing. He's paid very well. He can recruit Ohio. He can walk in the SEC, recruit other areas. It's just one of these that what is Nebraska and or do they have the patience and willingness to get it back to it if they were to even find the right candidate? No, I think you're on the head. We've talked too much about Nebraska tonight. But, yeah, I think, yeah, you're on the right track there. I think it's just – it's one of the, it's your program you grew up with, Jeff. All right, let's go to that North Carolina game and let's go over there. Uh, you know what? North Carolina, Drake may look great, right? When you see it there, he threw five touchdowns, uh, right? Five, yeah, five touchdowns. Marion Hampson, over 100 yards. Two, he had a, two touchdowns. George Petaway, full four, 51 yards, four, like four carries, looked explosive, a touchdown. They have a really good offense. Josh Downs, two touchdowns. He, he kind of rolled up his ankle. I don't know if it's going to be healthy for the next game, but they have a great offense. Their defense might be the worst in the in the in college football. Like it's really bad. They really struggle down the stretch. Um, I, Drake had some good passes. He also had some misses. I think that's good for a young quarterback to see. But you like to see a quarterback do this, right? So and Christian, he's a rel- yeah, I think he's still a North Carolina fan. I'm not sure. Uh, but what do you think of Drake May, Christian? Just based on what you saw. Yeah, uh, we were talking during the game and you said he looks good. And I said, he does look good. Uh, He doesn't look great. And I was kind of hoping for great. Of course, you know, beggars can't be choosers. The dude threw, uh, he was incredibly efficient. But I will say that I think his ball placement was a little off in this game. You could tell it was like first game nerves. I think back to CJ Stroud last year, throwing, spraying the ball all over the place in that first game. And then he settled in. I expect kind of that same kind of trajectory for Drake May, even if he's maybe not CJ Stroud level rising up boards. Um, but overall, 
I mean, he had some misses downfield. I think he missed Josh Downs on an incredible route uh, that was actually thrown into double coverage and underthrown, or it's it's six, and he would have had six touchdowns. So uh, it's um, I, I'm encouraged by what I saw. I don't know what the difference between him and Sam Howell is. I think Howell has a stronger arm, uh, just even when he was younger. I, I think that hopefully this offense can keep them in games. Now, you mentioned the defense. Tony Grimes did get hurt early in that game. I think he is an important piece. He's projected as like a high second-round pick. Um, He's a cornerback for them. So I think having him out there would have helped, but also it was just the read option and the the RPO game that was really, really killing them throughout the game. So UNC is intriguing because I think they can score with anyone, especially if they get that kind of production out of their young guys. Uh, Gavin Blackwell had a good game as well. I think he caught a touchdown. So um, they really leaned on the young guys. And the stuff you like to see is a program kind of adopt or or kind of be content with throwing their young guys out there, especially in a game as winnable as that one. Yeah, if they let those young backs go, I just think that changes the ceiling of the offense. And especially having, I mean, App State, you know, App State's kind of a little bit of a big brother, little brother there situation with that game. So that could be a trap game, them coming in feeling good because that defense needs to improve from what they saw. But if they get through that game, then you're kind of circling that Notre Dame game at the end of September. And if they were to get through that game, the sky's the limit on this, you know, and they've got some difficult ish ACC games, or at least teams that are ranked right now, Miami Pittsburgh. But at the same time, this, they don't play Clemson and this could be the real team that we're kind of waiting for that dark horse ACC team to emerge similar to how wake forest was last year, where we're talking about them going into November. If North Carolina gets past that Notre Dame game and these young pieces click Josh downs clicks and Drake may makes those steps that defense can kind of, tighten up a little bit there because I think that game could be winnable for them a home game against Notre Dame I I do want to bring it just real quick back to just like from a Debbie aspect just may I'm concerned about a little bit like I've watched him play a little bit and he's got some developing to do I don't think he's as far along as I would have hoped he would I think there's a reason why that that quarterback competition was so close and I think he has that potential, but he missed a couple of throws where I'm like, damn, I, I would love to see you get your footwork down. Um, I feel like he has the arm strength, but I think sometimes his, his techniques and also just like his ability to get his body across his hips. Like there's little things that you notice that he's got to get better at. And in Hampton and Petaway, who would you rather have Christian? I was Petaway heading into this game and I, I'm still pet. I mean, Petaway okay. looked better, but Hampton, I will say I looked a lot more explosive than I thought. Uh, I mean, he not that he wasn't explosive on this high school film, but I didn't know how quickly that translate. I'd take yeah. Petaway still. Jeff, same thing? Yeah, I think Petaway a little bit. I think they're both right there, though. Hampton looks very, very good. And back to that Debbie question on quarterbacks, at what point do we just not mess with quarterbacks and Debbie? I mean, I've already been there. I've been there yeah. this whole year. Like, well, I don't yeah. even care anymore. <laughs> you know, and it's even, yeah, and you can look at a guy like Bryce Young. We've seen that situation even fall apart. Or like we're still Watch waiting. Out, Jeff. You know, but Tua Tagovola was, that was going into his last season. That was as sure as you can get. Yeah. And, you know, we're, what's that? And it's almost at the point where if you're doing a startup and I can't advocate it enough, if you're doing a startup, get elite quarterbacks in the startup and then get these young quarterbacks trade up, whatever, get two of those guys. And you don't even have to think about this position. You can get a third guy that can play on bye weeks or injury, whatever, but you don't have to worry about it in these Debbie leagues. And you know, you, you can take shots if you want to, but what's the difference between taking a shot in, on a guy in the fifth round versus a guy in the fir- fourth in the first round in these Debbie leagues. And whereas these running backs, you feel very comfortable with those. And even the wide receivers, big, fast, strong, you know, you, you feel good about those guys as well. And to your point, uh, I just did a, uh, didn't have a Patreon plug, but I just did a video just for Debbie, like riskiest assets going into the season right now, just for our patrons and you quarterbacks are all over that thing because as I was going through it, it's just like, just trade them for running backs and wide receivers because you don't need them. If you, if you really need a quarterback that bad, then you messed up on your startup draft. Like yeah. it's just not worth it anymore. Like I, I really, I even struggle with Bryce right now. Like, to be honest with you, like I'm worried, like I hope that these guys aren't going to kill me 
like as I go over it because I am struggling with Bryce over the year because everybody's talking about how he's small. Okay, they look at his arm strength. What is it going to be like? And so I'm just going to I'm just not going to worry about the quarterback position. I'm done with the quarterback position. Like you just get burned too many times. And it's just unless you really, really want to take that that top pick there. I think there's more value. I just do what I always do. Just take elite wide receivers. That's 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 how I roll on Debbie. <laughs> but um, all right, let's get to the real meat of the meat of the show. Ohio State versus Notre Dame, Jeff. On a scale from one to ten, how nervous are you? Like, is ten nervous? Yeah, ten's like, oh my god, I have a gluten allergy, and then one is like, <laughs> I, I'm cool, nothing, zero. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. Look at you. You know, I, there's, I don't know, I would be shocked uh, to be honest with you to have Notre Dame pull this oh. game out. Um, I, I think that the one thing that I think bears mention is that. Um, the Jim Knowles defense, Notre Dame might be as experienced with that as Ohio State because they played Oklahoma State in the bowl game. So the last game that they played, the Marcus Freeman, his first game that he coached, they saw this defense. And so they've got an idea what they're walking in on there. I just don't see how they can keep up, to be honest with you. I, I just don't. I think that you you can go through the five, six, seven, or the seven best wide receivers on Ohio State's locker room compared to Notre Dame. I mean, you know, we've seen that injuries kind of hit that position a little bit for Notre Dame. So this game really comes down to, and often in college football, it comes down to right now, your quarterbacks and your wide receivers. And if you have a decided advantage on one end, then you really need something special to top that. But this being a home game in the horseshoe and that de- new defense coming in and, and all the excitement around that, I don't think the defense can be worse than it was last year. And so, so it's just, uh, I, I'm just not very concerned at all. Um, you know, it's, I, I think that I'm worried about the number a little bit, maybe just because <laughs> I think that there's uh 17 and a half. There is a lot of potential there for, you know, maybe Ohio state's up 42 to 17 and Notre Dame scores late in the game. And all of a sudden you don't have the cover there, but other than that, and no, I, and you know, maybe I'll go down with the ship here, but um, I'm just not, I don't know. I've seen the history of Ohio state, Notre Dame. I've seen these two programs play big games over the last couple of years there's just one of those that it's just different. And, and I think that it's uh, not concerned about this game at all. Yeah. Uh, interesting note that I heard recently. Uh, Columbus is the most traveled to city this weekend for Labor Day per Airbnb. I think it's mostly on the backs of this game. So while Jeff's not concerned, a lot of people are very excited for this game. Yeah. And oh, I am, yeah. I am too but the, I, I think the problem is I don't think these programs are on the same level right now. I know where Notre Dame is ranked right now. I understand that. Um, there are a lot of even major analysts that are saying, what is this? Like, what is the point of ranking them this high for them to potentially get blown out in this game? And I think that that's a, a very real possibility. Uh, the offense, the offenses are, are the two things that are on different levels, in my opinion. I think Notre Dame's defense is pretty good, and I think Ohio State's defense obviously needs to take a step forward. But like Jeff said, we've talked about it all offseason. They can't be worse. And Jim Knowles was able to... I mean, Notre Dame moved the ball pretty well in that bowl game, but that was with Oklahoma State players. Like Jim Knowles is, is now getting Ohio State recruits and guys who maybe haven't maxed out on their, their potential... Um, I think of guys like Zach Harrison on the edge. I expect a big game from him because I think that that is, he's going to be in a lot better positions to succeed. So yeah, if I'm an Ohio state fan, I would also not be concerned, but I would not be a zero. I would be a one. I would have a little bit more concern than maybe Jeff does. Yeah. I, I, I think it's just the offensive side of Notre Dame. I don't think they have enough weapons yet. I like Lorenzo Styles. I like Chris Tyree. I like Logan Diggs. I like those guys. Tyler Butcher, this is a huge game for him. Like, we you forget, this is really his first real game starting quarterback. Like, we're going to see against Ohio State. <laughs> that's a tough, that's just a tough, yeah. I mean, realistically, I could see him coming out having three interceptions. But then rushing maybe for two and just kind of going at it and playing street ball. Uh, I don't know. I like this offensive line. Michael Mayer is going to be a difference. But I don't think... There's unless they keep it like 17 10 and something happens with Ohio State's offense, and that's just unheard of. Like, unless like something's there, I don't see any way Notre Dame can 
really have the firepower like like Jeff talked about. It hurts me to say that out loud, but I, I it's just struggled. Now the number is fun. I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the number later when we make our picks. Um, but I do think when it comes down to it, Ohio State's just they're probably the best team in college football. Like if I had to pick a like offense wise, I don't know about defense. I think Noel's gonna be there, but offensively they're the best team in college football. Yeah, and the thing that people don't really understand that offensive line was terrible last year. They didn't have a run game last year. It was all CJ Stroud and the receivers last year. And, and they brought in a new offensive line coach. They really shifted what they ran into last year is they had two tackles that were playing guard. And so they didn't have that interior run game. They didn't have that interior strength. And now they've got one of the best guards in America. Um, the, and I'm blanking on the kid's name, the sophomore Donovan Jackson coming in there and playing guard. And I think he's really going to lock up that position, a natural guard at that. And I think that's going to make a huge difference in the run game for all we saw out of Travion Henderson last year, Ohio state did not run the ball well. And so being able to solve those issues, being able to solve the defensive issues, you know, Christian hit it. Exactly. These programs are on, on different levels. And really that number five ranking for Notre Dame is for TV. It's for this weekend because then they, they'll get blown off the field and then they'll drop down to number 13 and we'll be like, well, yeah, it's probably about where they should have been going into this. Yeah. I, as a, the resident offensive line discusser, I appreciate that you brought up the guard, but I also want to mention that Ohio state might have the best tackle duo in college football. Now that they kick Paris Johnson out and he can kind of show his athleticism out there, because I do think that when he was kicked into guard, I, I don't think he was very good. Um, which is why like he's being talked about as potentially a top 10, top 15 pick at tackle um and and that just wasn't on his film last year so i'm excited to see him dewan jones uh, i think they're going to be able to handle foskey and the other notre dame rushers and it's just it's going to probably be a bloodbath that ohio state handles the game but like kevin said the the line is interesting i it's interesting because of the the fourth quarter when probably we are talking about Kyle McCord because the game's already out of hand yeah, we just lost every listener talking about offensive lines. All right, let's go to uh, Georgia versus Oregon. All right, let's let, let's get into it. Let's go into Georgia versus Oregon. Hey, I, I like this game. It's going to be fun. Dan Landon era kicks off, right? We got going back to Georgia, defensive coordinator. Uh, he's coming back, and he's going to play them. We got Bo Nix. We got a lot of storylines going on in this one. I like this. Going back to the SEC, uh, Christian said he believes in Bo Nix again, so we can't let him off the hook here. So when we think of this, this is – I think Georgia – to me, personally, looking at this game, like I think Georgia's going to dominate. I think up front, you're going to see kind of Oregon, Pac-12. I don't necessarily know if they have the physicality. So I, for me, it's about the physicality on this side. Uh, I want Bo. I want this game to look good. I just, I think Georgia overpowers them. Is that where you're leaning, Jeff? Yeah, I think that this this kind of is one of those that we see it a lot, with, especially with SEC teams, where we can kind of talk ourselves into this being a competitive game, and then you flip it on, and you if you've watched football long enough, you see the first three plays, and one team is just blowing the other team off the ball repeatedly, and you just say, well, all right, we know how this one's going to go. And I think that this one could end up probably in that – um, Notre Dame, Ohio State territory again with that number being interesting. But when it comes to physicality, I just don't see how Oregon stacks up. You know, maybe last year's Oregon team that had Kayvon Thibodeau, and, and but at the same time, if they would have played last year's Georgia team, forget about it. Yeah. And it's crazy because I think Georgia's defense could be as good this year. I think they replaced guys that left for the draft with other guys that will be drafted in the first round. Um, and so th that's where I, I get nervous about Oregon's offensive line holding up and Oregon not being able to run the football because I think that is an important piece of this game. I do think the line is interesting because I, I think that Oregon has enough if they're able to pass protect at the very least. They have enough weapons on the outside that I think Bo Nix can get them the ball and they can make plays. Bo Nix is exactly the type of quarterback that I think can kill a Georgia team as well and that he can get outside of the pocket and maybe he can evade some of those uh, incoming edge rushers that are about to lay him out. I think that he has the ability to do things like that. It's going to look a little ugly, I think. I think Oregon will be able to move the ball through the air. However, I don't think that they're going to start the game doing that, and I don't think they're going to put full trust in Bo Nix to throw the ball 45 times in this game and go beat Georgia on his own, which I think is what – needs to happen. Oregon's got some dudes on defense that should give Stetson Bennett some issues. Stetson Bennett reports that 
he's got a different mindset because he knew he was the guy. And so we're going to see Stetson Bennett, the first round quarterback out there, five ten and all. Um, no, it's the Georgia offense is going to just bully. I think the Oregon defensive line run the ball down their throat, and I'm excited to see uh, what they're able to do with that that running back trio duo really at this point. I would love to see Will Anderson destroy Stetson Bennett to back to like just break him in half. That would be like my my not in this game, but I, I think <laughs> when you look at uh, this Georgia Oregon game, kind of reminiscent of my, the Miami Alabama game last year. You guys remember Week One where everybody thought maybe Miami will have a shot, and it was they lost for like forty four to thirteen or something like that. Yeah. Like that's what it yeah. feels like. I will give a shout out to my guy Troy Franklin. If you could have a good game against Georgia, I think he gets on the map. So if you own Troy Franklin and Debbie, I think that's the you're like okay, maybe he has five catches, you know. 100 yards touchdown. You're like, oh, hey, Troy Franklin. Now he can be a relevant Debbie. This is a massive season for him because if he doesn't do well this year, we're done. Like, I think Debbie relevance is going to really struggle. And so I think that if he can come out of a very good game against uh, Georgia, that's what you're looking for. But yeah, I, Georgia's just too dominant for They're going to run all over their asses. That's just how I look at this game. Kendall Milton and those guys, if they're healthy, it's going to be all over. Um, all right. Florida, Utah, fun game here. Okay. Uh, you know, when you're looking at Utah and Florida here, I believe, you know, going into it, Utah is a three point favorite going down, going to play in Florida. What do we think about this matchup? Because now you have Utah, right? They won the Pac 12 last year. They lost to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. They really bring most people back. Defensively, side, they lost some guys. Um, but um, on the offensive side, for the most part, they're bringing a heavy Tavion Thomas. Um, we know Rising, he's kind of being talked about as being that guy. But this SEC versus Pac-12 again, like Utah needs to win this game for a lot of different reasons. Like, hey, respect the national stage. You're talking about, you know, playoffs, yes. Uh, But you're also talking about, like, can they go beat SEC opponent? Do you feel comfortable saying they can, Joe? They can. The physicality that we know they have players on defense, Tavion Thomas and Cam Rising, I think that they – they have the experience factor in this game in the backfield. They can win this game. I think this is low key is the game of the weekend. And, you it know, is. I think the um, Ohio state Notre Dame's going to get all the headlines, but this game is the one that I think is just going to have ripple th- effects through the playoffs. If, if Utah loses this game, then I think the PAC 12, it's going to be a very uphill battle. It's going to have to be USC. I think to even consider to be a playoff team, um, just that is, would be this kind of loss. Um, so they can, they can win this game. You know, they are three point favorites. Obviously Vegas thinks they can win this game, but I don't know, you know, sec athletes and we've seen that make a difference. We've seen Florida was able to run the ball very, very well last year, bringing Richardson in a quarterback, Billy Napier, that new scheme. And we know that he had a lot of success, success running the ball at Lafayette as well. So that is going to be interesting. Yeah. Utah kind of hung with Ohio State last year in the bowl game. And so that's kind of where I, that's where the, the hype I think is coming from. And I think it's worthy. I, th- I think they've got dudes on both sides of the ball. Now, is we talked about it recently last week. I want to say it was our Pac 12 episode. I, I don't know if Cam Rising is enough, but I think their defense is. And I think that if Anthony Richard, I mean, this is Anthony Richardson's game too. It's the same thing with Troy Franklin. Like if, if Anthony Richardson can go out and kind of do something similar to what uh, CJ Stroud was able to do last year against Utah, which is just throw them. He, he really doesn't have too many weapons outside of the two tight ends and, and Brian Keith and uh, Dalton Kincaid. So um, if he can kind of dish the ball out to maybe those two and let them make plays while also displaying all of the physical tools that we know he has, I think it's an interesting game. I, I do think that Utah should be favored. I think they should win this game. But I'm very, very intrigued to see what this Florida offense looks like. We talk about Debbie relevant players as well, Montreal Johnson. I am very, very curious to see if he is deployed as like a workhorse. I know that a lot of the reports coming out of camp are that he is, but they're going to use uh, guys in different roles. We'll see. I, I think that he could definitely shoot up Debbie boards as well you, you know when i was looking at this game like most every debbie relevant guy's pretty much on 
on on Florida. I don't know about Tavian Thomas. He's an interesting case. He's that like we talked about that day two, maybe day three guy that could come in there. But I mean, when you talk about the running backs like Naquan Wright, I think they've said that he's kind of listed as the starter, maybe, and then Montrell will be kind of used in different ways. Even Trevor Etienne, they were talking about maybe could have some runs. Two freshmen, like I, he's going to find out that your guy Ricky Purcell. I didn't remember transfer from Arizona State, like wide receiver. Like there's tons of. Debbie relevant guys on Florida. It's just how quick can it come together against a Utah team that's very mature and veterans. Like I think that's the that's the question mark. It's all about Anthony Richardson though. Like if he has a good game, you know how it goes. Like they'll start talking Heisman and you'll see it all on Twitter. You're gonna see the dudes that do it all. Like they talked about Matt Carell last year. But he could be that guy. Like when you're looking at Anthony, he could be like, okay, he's at QB three now, and this could vault him to QB three. Or if he struggles against a Utah defense, this could completely wipe out his Debbie relevance for the rest of the year. That's the ramifications of this game for Anthony Richardson. And I don't think it's, I think it's fair to say that is the ramifications. Cause if not, we could be talking about Anthony Richardson having to come back next year, even if he has an okay game, but they're always going to look, well, look what he's getting at Utah. Yeah, Utah is okay defense. And I think that's the risk of quarterbacks. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Like, I think that's the risk, right, Jeff? Well, if Anthony Richardson goes out and treads Georgia, nobody is going to think twice about what he did against Utah. So I, I think that I, that's where I hesitate on that narrative just a little bit. You know, it could be, it, it could easily be dismissed as his first game if he puts a, a game against Georgia. So that that's kind of oh, the well, one. He's played more than one game. Like, let, let, let's see. He well, threw he, yes, he, last year. Yeah, I know, but it's, he's not shredding Georgia, by the way. I'm just going to put that out. No, probably <laughs> no. not. You're probably right. No, <laughs> I, I, I think that's yeah. But really, you go to this Utah team, and and I think a lot of people are hanging their hats on the way they finished last year and the way they looked against Ohio State. Um, I think that Ohio State was a perfect matchup for Utah, and really, it took Ohio State kind of buckling down in the second half. And once they did, they blew them out. And, and then I think Oregon was kind of a perfect matchup for Utah as well. The things that Utah did well plays into that. My concern is that the things that Utah does well are also the things that Florida does well. And I think the yeah. space, I, I think the athletes out in space, I think there's a, you guys know when we watch the SEC, there's a legit athlete issue like Utah. They're okay. They don't got those athletes like Florida does. But really, when it comes down to this, it's not it's yes, it's the athletes in space outside. It's the, the athletes inside. And yeah. that's really that's what people really miss. I think often when they look at the SEC is yeah. is it's just we all know you if you can dominate the line of scrimmage, and especially if you can dominate the interior of the line of scrimmage, that dictates who wins games more often than not. Yeah, the only parting note on this game is. Despite all that, Anthony Richardson is the best athlete on pre- pretty much like any football field this weekend. Like he is an incredible athlete. And so I think that maybe if Florida is smart and if this offense goes, he kind of looks like he shouldn't be playing against teams like Utah. Maybe he looks like he should only play against Georgia's. That's the obviously the high end yeah. outcome for this weekend. But I mean, th- there's a real possibility that that's what we see. And we look kind of silly for talking about Utah the way we did just because they ran into Anthony Richardson week one. And that was the end of their season. No, this is my favorite game. I'm going to be watching the hell out of this game. Like I, mm-hmm. I absolutely think the other games, whatever, but I think this is my my favorite game. There's so many ramifications. College football, Debbie, C2C. Is Xavier Henderson going to pop off finally after two years of me touting the talent? Like, can he do that? Like, there's so much out there that I'm so excited for. This game is, to me, I'm marking this one out. Um, all right, let's talk about playoffs. Let's get into this. Let's do our predictions. I think last year I was correct. We, we're not going to fact check that. So let's go to this year, okay? Jeff, who's in your playoff and who's your national title? I'm chalky. I'm going to go Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state and Clemson in the playoff. Um, you know, I think when you really look at it, um, USC, if Oregon loses this game to, if Utah loses this game to Florida, I think you forget about the pac 12. I don't think anybody makes it to the big 12. I just, I just think all those teams are kind of in a jumble there. So that's where I go chalk. I, Clemson's the one that, you know, I'd love to pick anybody else, but it, feels like there's a big three in college football right now and then their clemson is probably the most likely to just to carry it through and you know if they're there at the end of the year they're going to go in and they've done enough they'll forget about everything that happened last year that's how the committee works and espn love to have that um, acc property in there so uh, that's going to be my prediction on the playoff yeah 
Yeah, uh, that was that's also mine. I think if it's not Clemson, <laughs> it is Utah. Um, but Jeff's right. There's there's a big three. It's Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. And who the fourth team doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who that team is because they are going to lose to either Ohio State, Alabama, or Georgia in the first round of the playoffs, and it's not going to be close. Um, we got excited about Cincinnati last year. Not really, but like we were hopeful. Um, I won't have that hope going into that game. I, I know what the outcome is at this point. You guys are doom and gloom. And I'm giving my Michigan Wolverines like a shot. Here, the Michigan like, is the team that I think could be, con- you know, on, because if like, they go through nah. and if they are 11 and one with a loss to Ohio state and. Okay. Both. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't just give us a lot. <laughs> we beat you last year. I, I, I want to remind How you. How are the other 20 today. years before that? <laughs> it doesn't matter that I don't remember anything. Okay. Um, you act like my wife right now trying to bring up old stuff. All right. So I, I think Alabama for sure. I, I I hate saying Ohio State. I, I I think Alabama. I have to put Ohio State in. That offense is just Jim Knowles. Is, I mean, Knowles is going to be special. Um, and I think defensively that he's going to get going. Georgia, I guess I just throw him in there. I think I think Clemson's going to get in. I I I think I think somehow I don't know that quarterback play though. So bad. It doesn't matter. I, literally, when I looked at this list, someone put Oklahoma in there. I think don't think there's a way Oklahoma. I mean, unless they go undefeated in the Big Twelve. But even then, like, I think that the Big 12 is kind of down. There is zero chance USC gets in. So I want everybody out there to know. Even Lincoln Riley just came out and said his defense is two years away. Like, there's, and he's like, yeah, maybe we'll be all right. Like, I think defensively, that scares me a little bit. I just don't think USC is going to have that defense on that side. I want to get, Michigan still has a chance out there, people. Okay. They are not that bad. Like, they basically, yeah, they lost some defensive guys, but they're still strong up front. They still, I think they have a better offense this year. I think receivers, I think they'll be more balanced, hopefully, if JJ starts. I still give a shot. I think, honestly, based on the schedule, when I did this, I had Ohio State, Michigan undefeated going into the game. Like, now, what do they do? If Michigan loses, do they leave out do they leave out Michigan and put in Clemson? Probably. Probably that's how it works. But um I, I'm gonna take Alabama to win it all just because I'm that's just who I am. Yeah, I'm also gonna take Alabama because I can't pick Ohio State. <laughs> so I think Ohio State wins this year. Uh I you said that last crazy. year too. I know, I know. And I still think that their <laughs> offense was one of the best in college football. I, and I thought that that would carry them, but their defense was like historically bad. I don't, I think any marginal increase in production on the defensive side of the ball gives them a fighting chance at a championship. And I think CJ Stroud is going to be pretty darn elite this year. So I'm scared of CJ Stroud. And in A, got to shout out Travion Henderson, right? Like he, I mean, my guy. My guy. All right, let's go to the games. So we're gonna we're gonna go to the games, and then we will roll out of here, and we'll get out of here for week one. Yeah. So trophy smack. Are you in playing fantasy football? Or you're watching the show, listening to the show, and not playing fantasy football? You should try if you are are not. But if you are and you're in a league that does not have a trophy, you should go to trophy smack. You should get a trophy or a belt. You should use our code the Debbie Royale, and you will get a free ring with your purchase. So. Have everybody in your league throw an extra 10 bucks in, 20 bucks in, whatever it might be. Have a trophy that you will carry on for years. Get a free ring and and really share the love. It's, it's the, the Sportsbook sports Rundown. Rundown. And uh, the Sportsbook Rundown is here. And we have real football games that aren't, uh, you know, Charlotte versus whoever they played last week. I don't even remember because week zero is fake. Uh, this week we have good games. The first one, oh, so I, I went five and two. Last week, I did break my losing streak of like two or three months. It felt like Kevin went four and three. Jeff went two and five. Kevin, you asked before the show what game it was. It was the Nebraska-Northwestern game, I think, that separated us. So I think you picked Nebraska. So uh, first game. What an idiot. Why do people listen to the show if I pick Nebraska? What is going on? (laughs) Hey, it's still a pretty pretty good first week or zero week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia versus Pitt is our first game this week and Pitt is seven point home favorites in this game kevin who are you taking are you taking slope <laughs> this is such a brutal game because I, I hate slope so much um west virginia is really gonna struggle I, I love their helmets so they're the rocking this week it's they're 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 impressive but i'm i'm gonna go pit i'm gonna take pit in this game don't let me down slovis i will take pit and the home points in this game so yeah 
I find this game to be incredibly interesting because of the JT Daniels, Keaton Slovis narrative yeah, that we're about to cool. see on the field. And so I think, I think JT is going to be a little motivated. So I'm going to take West Virginia to at least cover in this game. I just don't think that's that good either. My favorite prop in this is JT Daniels is minus two and a half rushing yards over under. I, I love that. I'm going to go under. I'm going to just do it because I want to bet the under. That's, yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, all right, so I want West Virginia. Next game is Cincinnati versus Arkansas. Arkansas is only six and a half point favorites in this game. Kevin, who are you taking? Well, I heard Arkansas has a NFL quarterback now. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think the quarterback position is tough just because Cincinnati, I think they should have went with Prater, but they didn't. Um, I'm going to take the SEC team. I'm going to take Arkansas. Jeff? I'm going to go with my guy, Luke Fickle, and I'm going to go with Cincinnati with the points guy. here. You know him? Yeah. Well, I like Luke Fickle. <laughs> because who is yeah. State? <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Arkansas in this game. I, I just think that we just talked about SEC athletes. I, I think that while Cincinnati does have good athletes, we know that to be true. Uh, I just think that Arkansas has more experience right now, and I think that that's going to play into this game. Next one, Oregon versus Georgia. Georgia is 17.5-point home favorites in this game. We already talked about it, but Kevin, who are you taking? Give me Georgia. Jeff? Yeah, Georgia. Okay, I'm going to take Oregon to cover, but lose. I do want to put that up. Oregon will lose this game, uh, but I, I hope they can backdoor cover, maybe. Uh, Utah versus Florida. Utah is three-point road favorites in this game, which is significant. Our first road favorite that we've discussed. Kevin, who are you taking? Give me the Gators. I'm going to pick Florida in the episode. Jeff? You know, I, I was on Florida all the way, and then Kevin picked them. I'm gonna still going <laughs> to stick on Florida. So <laughs> I got to go Anthony Richardson. You know he's my guy. Like I, I can't stay away from it. So I almost convinced myself Florida while I was talking about them earlier, um, just thinking about what Anthony Richardson can do. Um, but I also ranked Utah fifth. And so I think that Utah is going to be a pretty darn good team. And I do think that, again, experience, I think experience within the same offense and defense, I think that will matter in this game. And I'll take Utah. We need to switch up this order a little bit, by the way. Like, I don't know how we Christian game this to the point where Christian gets to play the trump card every single time. And so to play okay. different on these picks, I don't know, Christian. This is okay. I'm I'm, I'm going to call You know, I let it go last week. And, you know, I think that this we I think you slid it in over the summer when we were picking <laughs> I did. random nonsense. Um, I but did. this is uh, I think that this is too big of an advantage for you, to be honest here. OK, this is fair. So I'll go first on the next one. Florida State versus LSU. LSU is only three-point favorites against Florida State, which is hilarious to me. And uh, <laughs> I, I just find it very funny. I don't think Florida State's very good. I know we saw some good things from them in week zero, but I'll take LSU in this game. Jeff, you're next since you complained. Kevin gets to go last with the advantage. <laughs> you know, uh, Brian Kelly's being real secretive about who's going to play quarterback for LSU because I think he's got he's got a thought that he can, he's going to trick Florida State there. But um, I'll still go with LSU. I, I just don't know about this Florida State program. I'll go LSU just because I think Jordan Travis is going to throw the ball right. Like he's just they're going to have too many turnovers in this game. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Travis, um, not great in my opinion. Um, next one, Penn State, three and a half point road favorites against Purdue. I am intrigued by this game. I think Aiden O'Connell, uh, could have a heck of a game here. Um, Jeff, you go first now. I'm going to go with Penn State in this game. I think that their run game, I think that they, with the freshman running backs and having Lee there, I think they're really going to control off their run game. And I think they're going to cover this number. Uh, I will also take Penn State. <clears throat> Kevin, who are you taking? Man, Christian, I thought for sure Purdue was your pick <laughs> in this game. I feel like you dropped that hint like a couple of weeks ago. I was expecting a Purdue pick here. Yeah. I don't know. Um, kiss of death. I'm going to go Penn State as well. Good. Screw Penn State. Yeah. Maybe that's what I was angling for. All right. I saved it. I did that on purpose there, Jeff, so that you could be the last one on the Ohio State line. Uh, so Notre Dame versus Ohio State, 17 and a half point favorites in favor of Ohio State. Kevin, who are you taking in this game? I'm taking Ohio State over 17 and a half. 
I think that it's kind of reminiscent of the Michigan State Ohio State game last year. I think they're going to come out just ready to go. Yeah, I think they're up 40 points at halftime, if I'm being completely honest. I, I kind of was conservative when discussing it earlier, but I just think they're going to come out and route them. Uh, There's Jeff, no way OSU loses, right? No way. No way at all. Keep, keep saying it. Keep saying it. <laughs> I don't know. They lost to Virginia Tech, and there was no business <laughs> like, in the opening. The, see, the right. one thing that gets me on this is when they play these big marquee home and homes, it's like they always lose the home game, and then they go out and they throttle like the – visiting the we've seen it at usc oklahoma um virginia tech uh, but i get i just think that notre dame is a program that they have their number and i think that the difference i just don't think notre dame is the fifth best team in the nation and you know i think that if this game was a week four game you might see like a number 15 next to notre dame's name and, and i think ohio state might be the best team in college football yep understandable those are our seven games for this week that is the sportsbook rundown we'll see how we all do and we will as always uh keep a running tally throughout the season so this kind of kicks off the the good prospect prospect poker all right let's roll over to the prospect poker so we're gonna play poker rules of game are simple we're gonna play poker on the screen you're gonna listen to us and we are gonna talk about our props for each week last week jeff went two and oh i went one and two christian went oh one and one um, so we're going to talk about props. We're going to do overs, unders, and our goal here is to help you make money. Um, I didn't do very good on the show, but on my Twitter account, I went four or three and one. So we, we are all out there. Patreon, we're going to have some too. So um, we're excited to have these props out there. Yeah. Uh, and I will go first here. And my over pick this week is Izzy Abanacanda over 52 and a half rushing yards. As much as I do think that West Virginia could win that football game. I like Izzy as a, an actual Debbie asset. I think that he will look a lot better in that Pittsburgh offense that isn't going to throw a whole lot um, because their coach said, we don't want the, all the passing that led us to the ACC title. So over for Izzy. All right, so we got a hot draw here. We have a queen of spades, queen of clubs, a jack of clubs, and a king of spades. And Christian has a seven of hearts. So my pick is Jackson Smith and Jigba. So over eight receptions is my Ooh. over on this one. He has gone over that number in five consecutive games. And so he is just this focal point of the offense. And I expect everything to flow through him. I think that you'll see more production out of Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and, uh, kind of flowing that offense around but really when it comes down to it i think jackson fifth and jigba is clearly cj stroud's go-to guy and and you know this type of thing he could have four receptions on the first drive of this game and so that eight number might seem big um, but again five straight games hitting that number and that's my number and i got a six of clubs I have a confession to make. I really wanted to pick Christian's prop, but I didn't know how to pronounce his last name, and I was very subconscious <laughs> about that, so I didn't. Um, so I, I picked uh, Travion Henderson over 15 and a half receiving yards, which I think is really low, especially for all Henderson needs is one catch out of the backfield and make one guy miss, and he'll go for 30 or 40 yards. So I really feel like this is an easy over. So I'm going to take that 15 and a half receiving yards for Travion Henderson. Boom. Boom, a king of clubs. Kevin is sitting on a pair of kings. Yeah, that's uh, tough to beat. Yeah, we're we're not going to beat that. Uh, all right, my under for this week is a guy that I I like a good bit. I actually picked him as an over for the season on his passing yards. I believe in the manifesto, which you can find at our Patreon. Uh, but this week, Hendon Hooker under two hundred seventy nine and a half passing yards. I just think that Tennessee is going to be able to run all over this team, and I think they'll use him. Uh, as a runner, but also they're just going to keep giving the ball to their running backs when they're up fairly big late in the game. So a Jack of diamonds and that would have been fun, but not enough. So um, I, for the record, I'm upset with both of you because I wanted to pick both of your props when I got into this, but <laughs> here we are. So I'm going to go under Peyton Thorne under 12.5 rushing yards. So in eight of his last 11 games, he has gone under 12 and a half rushing yards playing Western Michigan. I just don't think that they're really going to need him to run the ball. And I think they're going to rely on the, the dual running backs. And it'll be interesting to see where that split lies between Jarek Broussard and Jalen Berger. But at the same time, I, I think they'll just rely on those running running backs. And I think they have more than enough in this game to beat Western Michigan without Peyton Thorne using his legs. I have an eight of clubs. 
All right, I'm going to do my under. Uh, Jake Hayner, they played Thursday, so you got to get this on a little early. Uh, he's playing Cal Poly, which is an FCS school, but under 351 yards. That's a high, very high number for a team that's probably going to blow a Cal Poly. It's going to be close because they do like to blow it up and they're going to run it up. But I just think by the time he has 300 yards, they're going to be up by three or four touchdowns. And I think Hayner's going to come out of the game. And I think that's a little high of a number based on that offense. I think they're going to run a little bit more Jordan Mims. And as the Fresno State guy out here, I, I, I think Hayner's 351 is a little high. Black Jack trivia. trivia. A five of, of diamonds. So Kevin got that game. Christian got the first game. So here we go. We're going to play a little bit of blackjack. And this is how we decide the show here. We play blackjack. We play trivia with blackjack. You ask a question, you get it right. You get a beneficial score. You get ask it wrong. You get a bad score. And Christian is going to start us off with a 20. And, you know, it's been a while since Christian won the show. So good for him. And <coughs> Kevin has a seven and uh, I have a 10. So Kevin Ooh. is up first. And Kevin, okay, you can ask Kevin a question. It's it's specific to Kevin, which is why I have to ask him. Okay. Because he, sh you should know the answer. This is this is all hints. Which receiver from week zero had the highest receiving grade from PFF? Oh shit! I know. Is, is it my guy from UNLV? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ricky White. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, he caught eight balls. 182 yards, average 22.8 per catch and two touchdowns. I try to tell everybody, C2C, Ricky White, he killed my Wolverine. That's how I know him because he killed the Wolverines when he didn't play. But yeah, yeah, he had a good game. I'm excited. Harrison Bailey did not play, so I'm not very excited about that. Yeah, that, that's a bummer. Remember when I said he was better than CJ Stroud? No one remembers that. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. It's on this show, too. We were just Go back in our you, archives. We were just messing with you, Jeff. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, do we have to ask Kevin another question? Um, no, ask me a question. Okay. Kevin, do you have a question for Jeff? Yeah, I got one. Who holds the most receptions in the college football history playoff? Not like college football playoff history. Um, in both games, he played in both games. Who do you think has the most, most receptions? What are you, what is this question you're like in, in one, like, is this like in, Glenn Rice most points in an NCAA tournament question? Or is the college football playoff, it, he, this receiver, caught the most balls in college football playoff history and he has the most receptions. Who is he? Devonta Smith. He's second. Hunter no. Renfro. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Yes. Yeah. It was close though. Okay. Proud of you. You need another question there. I see. Yeah. Um, Okay. Jeff was making fun of us, but not having questions. And I have a question, and he's challenging my question. This is this is what we get on the show. <laughs> well, no, I just was. I just wanted to be clear to understand the question. Like, are you You've talking been attacking like me all night. cumulatively, or like night. one tournament? Because you know, oh. it's like it, different questions oh. there. Okay. This is what happens when Ohio State and Michigan have meaningful football. <laughs> all right, Jeff, of the North Carolina running backs that we talked about, uh, who graded the highest from PFF? Omari and Hampton. No, George Petaway. Sorry. Okay. I busted. Okay. All right. I'm Kevin. still in. Kevin, who has more conference championships, Utah or Florida? Florida. And that's Utah by a lot. It's like wow. 27 to 10. Oh, because they played in the shitty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where I messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I still didn't bust yet. You still didn't bust. I have another question. I'm just going to keep rolling with PFF. Shout out PFF. <laughs> for giving me questions All 22. this week. Sign up, TDR. Uh, two TDR players tied for the highest passing grade in week zero. Wait, wait, name one. Name one of the two players. Drake May. No. What? No, it wasn't Ryan Holinsky. No, also not him. Logan Bonner from Utah State and Jordan Travis from Florida State. Okay. We are now back to shooting on PFF because that's ridiculous. It's I don't not know. Great. I feel like at this point, I mean, Kevin still hasn't busted. I busted. It's fine. I busted. Get Christian right. win. He deserves it. Christian he works hard. Win, he needs 30 seconds of FaceTime. Give it to him. Thanks, man. Well, you know, it's been so long that I've, you know, I kind of feel a little unprepared. But uh, what I will talk about is Josh Downs. I went back and watched Josh Downs from week zero. And I'll tell you what, it, I mean, there's a reason that I've had him at, at my wide receiver three for the 2023 class. 
he was lining up outside and i know that we've kind of confined him to the slot we discuss him as a slot receiver he's a small dude but the route running is exquisite it is outstanding he works blind spots really well he's very sudden he looks like a guy that can win on the outside at the nfl level so if you have concerns about josh Downs's size i'm here to tell you that I, I wouldn't be concerned about that the only thing would be the injury concern he did get banged up going up the ladder but he does have above the rim ability as well so i'm all in on josh downs i'll have a lot more coming out about him in in the recent or in in the near future but uh Shout out UNC. I get I I win and I get to talk about North Carolina. It's great. It's great news. Hey, we're here. We're excited for the start of the season. Uh, we're excited for every all the content we're producing for you guys, and we appreciate you guys' support. Please hit that subscribe button, but also go and give us a review. We need some more reviews on here, so please do that. Ask us some questions on there. Whatever you want, we'll answer them on the show. Whatever we need, you. Go take 30 seconds out of your day. Tell us how great me and Christian are and make fun of Jeff. That's what we want our reviews to be like. Give us that five star and we will be very appreciative. So we'll be back next week, September 6th, talking about all the games at 930 Eastern, like always. Until then, I'm Kevin Coleman at Boys underscore 22. I'm Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale. Thank you for listening to the Debbie Royale. Follow us on Twitter at The Debbie Royale. If you haven't already, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash The Debbie Royale. Tune in on YouTube every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until then, this has been The Debbie Royale.